Hi, listeners. This is the 80,000 Hours Podcast, where each week we have an unusually in-depth conversation about one of the world's most pressing problems and how you can use your career to solve it. I'm Rob Wibblin, Director of Research at 80,000 Hours. Today's episode is a quick conversation between me and my fellow 80,000 Hours researcher, Arden Kaler, uh, about a couple of topics, including the demandingness of morality, uh, work-life balance, uh, and emotional reactions to injustice. So far, the feedback on the post-episode chats that we've done have been pretty positive, uh, so we thought we'd go ahead and make this freestanding one. There will probably be a few more of these this year, uh, but if you decide they're not for you, feel free to skip them and stick to the normal episodes with external guests. One quick notice before that, though, uh, there's going to be a workshop on global priorities at the Australian National University uh, from the 26th to 27th of September, uh, alongside the Effective Altruism Global X event uh, that's also going on in Canberra that weekend. The aim is to bring attention to uh, academic work in economics and philosophy uh, that's relevant to global priorities research, which we've discussed on the show many times. Uh, and some participants are going to include uh, economists uh, John Quiggin and Ava Vavout uh, and philosopher Alan Harjak. The reason to mention this now is that they're currently putting out a call for papers. Uh, so if you'd like to present, uh, you should send an extended abstract of up to 600 words to workshop at eagxaustralia.com. Uh, you may then be chosen to give a 45-minute presentation uh, at the event itself. The deadline to send in those applications is April 9th. And as you might expect, you can get more information on this opportunity at eagxaustralia.com. All right, uh, here's me and Arden at our office doing our usual thing, but this time with a microphone in front of us. So a little while ago, you told me about a message that you got from a user that basically was worried that commitment to the EA community or to following 80,000 hours of advice would sort of mean that he couldn't pursue things that he loved, like sports or like personal relationships. And, you know, he had this sense of like, would I belong? Should I be part of this? Am, am I part of your ideal audience? Because like, I feel like I'm motivated by these things that are basically, you know, in my self-interest and I don't want to like sacrifice too much. So let's just start off by what was your reaction to that? Yeah. So I think the, the bottom line was that they, yeah, they thought that they didn't want to get involved in the effective altruism community because they enjoyed playing sport and like doing these like selfish pursuits, maybe like dancing or, or other mm. activities. Which just, uh, I guess, like kind of shows a lot of misunderstanding about what people in the effective altruism community are actually like. Mm. It's kind of we all have like lots of our own selfish interests. You're not like required to kind of wear a, share, a hair shirt and <laughs> not like not live in a normal house and like have recreational activities and have friends. It's, that would be, I mean, just as a matter of fact, that's the case. You mean like as a matter of fact, people in the effective altruism community don't like live in that austere of a way. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you certainly wouldn't stick out. It wouldn't be at all odd to be involved. But I think mm -hmm. also uh, we can like debate should things be that way. And I think almost certainly they, they should be that way. It's, it's good that people have like full lives with like other things going on. And mm. they're not always just thinking about like every action they take. Like, is this going to have maximum impact? That would be like very unsustainable psychologically for individuals and probably like pretty bad for a group of people as a whole as well. Yeah, I guess I feel like there's also another question. So there's like the question of whether we should all be much more austere and like just always thinking about how we can have an impact in every one of our actions. There's also the question of like, should somebody who uh, just doesn't want to live that way, should they like get involved or like do some of the stuff that effective altruists think are is important? And it seems like that, I think, is maybe the easiest question because it's like clearly the fact that you're not going to like do all the things doesn't mean you should like not do some of the things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say, is, is there some threshold of like committedness or like mm. willingness to 
uh, yeah, give up personal interests to do something more valuable, like above which then you should become involved. It seems like just, again, as a matter of fact, like people in the community, there's some people who do almost nothing. <laughs> they just kind of hang out and uh, are part of the social community mm. uh, and, and, and have a good time talking to people and having interesting conversations, even yeah. though they don't really plan to change their career. Or I mean, like that, donate a lot or something. Yeah. And I guess that could be bad in as much as maybe it like waters down the interests of the, of the group as a whole or makes people less serious. Yeah. Sets a bad example, maybe. I think in practice, it's like, doesn't seem that bad because uh, it's like good to have fun people around. It's like good to have more people to talk to. Like, even if they're not like changing their career, maybe they're like adding something to the conversation. Yeah. It uh, like, and then they yeah. talk to other people and then like share the ideas that way. I guess it also like, so when we're thinking about just whether like this individual person should join the community, it seems like clearly yes, yeah. even if like they're not going to uh, do as much as some other people. Um, and then if you think about the impacts on the community, and whether the community should like be open to um, people who are like less committed to altruistic ideals or something. It also seems like yes, because yeah. it doesn't really seem to have a bad effect or a watering down effect, at least. I think I, I agree with that. I mean, I don't really feel like I know the answer here, but. Yeah, I mean, it seems like based on their, uh, their message that they're like substantially more morally serious and committed than, <laughs> than many other people. Yeah. Because they're like so worried about like getting involved in something because they're not 100% uh, committed to it. So in reality, like there's every indication in fact that they're like much more concerned. So did you read it as them being worried about the effect of altruism community and like whether they were mm. going to have some sort of bad impact on it? Because I read it as being uh. more like, you know, people have this attitude a lot where like, oh, I can't, uh, you know, I could never go vegan, so I'm not going to, like, forego meat or something in mm. some circumstances. Like, they have this sort of, like, black and white attitude where it's either everything so, so. or nothing. Okay. And I read it as more like that. Interesting. So they were saying, because I couldn't go all the way of, like, changing everything about my life, I'm not going to change my life at all. That's I what I thought they were saying. I mean, I don't know. Well, that seems also very obviously wrong-headed. Okay, so maybe they're just both wrong-headed. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but th that one seems more obviously wrong. But I think it's a mistake yeah. people make. I mean, it's like the yeah, whole perfect, making odd. the perfect the enemy of the good thing. Yeah, this is like what psychological phenomenon, uh, the what the hell, the what the hell effect. So if people I, are on a I've diet, never heard of it. yeah. So if people are on a diet and then they like slightly go over the threshold that oh, they yeah. set themselves, then they're like, oh, what the hell? And then they like massively blow out like the amount that they expected to eat. Yeah. And you right. get all of these things where it's like, if you miss the deadline by a day, then you're like, well, I may as well just miss it by a month. Like, who cares? Right. Uh, and maybe, yeah, maybe there's something related there where it's like, if I can't like meet the like the, the desired yeah. threshold, then why even bother like moving towards it at all? Uh, yeah. Whereas it seems. If anything, kind of the reverse is true, that like you get most of the gains from making like the relatively small changes at the start. Yeah. And then it's like, in fact, you get declining returns the more and more effort you put in. Uh, right. I wonder if this is somehow, okay, this like, this sounds maybe a little bit out there, it's total conjecture, but I wonder if this is somehow related to like views on like being a good person or not or something. It's like, once you're, once you're a bad person, you might as well be a terrible person or it's like all kind of, versus <laughs> like, uh, you, you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. sort of like, part of a picture of morality where there's like a purity thing going on where you're like either one of these good people or you're not yeah i mean i'm not sure whether this like describes their their mentality yeah but this I is think just is we're just inspired by this uh <laughs> this comment this is not necessarily yeah um maybe, yeah maybe it is that other thing like or can i make like being a really good person kind of part of my core identity and mm. then if if they're not willing to go that far then they're like wow why not well then i should like be someone who's really into sport or someone who's really into some other set of activities i see um, yeah perhaps it's like they want to have marketing like a strong yourself. identity yeah and like if it's not going to be this then they want to be gotta find else. something else yeah that could be the angle yeah uh, that's kind of interesting okay so returning to the question of like whether people should be, I don't know, being more austere in the mm. effect of altruism community. It seemed like you were leaning toward maybe thinking, no, like it's actually good and like fine and maybe even positively good that they're like 
Yeah. Living I mean, more normal lives. There's a wide range of like how austere people are. And obviously people are yeah. like, they're at different stages in their life. It's like people who are studying tend to like have less money to throw around than people who are working. I guess I, uh, it does seem fine to me that plenty of people are like living perfectly comfortably. Um, I guess what, what are the reasons for that? We, we've kind of talked about it on this episode with uh, Ben Todd and the Key Ideas, mm-hmm. uh, Key Ideas episode. So, so one thing is that it seems more sustainable for people to keep doing this uh, over the course of their life. Yeah. So when, in as much as you think like most people have most of their impact kind of in their 40s or 50s when they have like reached really senior positions, then it's really important to have like good retention on people trying to like do a lot of good with their career. And it does seem like it's easier for people to uh continue with like low incomes during their 20s say but then it's like as if most people want to get married most people want to have kids then at that point they kind of like need to spend money need to need to have more of an income in order to feel satisfied um and be able to like pursue the other projects that are really important to them so in this case it's just kind of like an extension of the idea that you should take care of yourself yeah uh yeah i guess kind of or i suppose like accepting that your values might shift or your like desire for uh, consumption spending might might increase over time Maybe also you feel like more pressure to keep up with other people who are who are spending money as well. I guess it could, could be another effect. And I guess, uh, yeah, another thing is in as much as you want to recruit other people to get involved in doing good, um, which seems like a really important effect. Like if you can recruit someone else who's equivalently good to you, then, you know, in a sense, having you double your impact, uh, then it seems like you can appeal to a much wider range of people if you don't also require them to do all kinds of other weird things. Wear a hair shirt. Yeah, wear a hair shirt. Exactly. Yeah. That's going to be like off-putting to most people. So it seems like... In as much as our main goal is just to get people to choose careers that have a really large impact, why then burden? Like, if in order for someone to want to do that, why do we require? Why would we require them to make all of these like other very difficult lifestyle or like difficult lifestyle changes that would turn many people off? It seems like it's a better kind of movement strategy to be like, well, we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna make this like one ask, which is the main thing that we care about, and then if people decide to you know also have like a nice house in an expensive city, then uh, maybe we'll kind of just just let that one slide because that's not the primary uh, not the primary issue for us. I mean, there are, there are like there are counter arguments to that, which is that uh, people might be more inspired and motivated by a group of people who are kind of extremely dedicated and change their life in uh, you know more intense ways, uh, which could be true. I mean, I think certainly some people are more motivated by that, um, mm-hmm. or someone who's kind of like going halfway and changing their career but not changing the rest of their life. Uh, they might find that like off putting or not hardcore enough. But mm-hmm. I think they're kind of outnumbered by the people who would who could imagine taking a different job, but like also couldn't imagine say like not having a family because they think that's not the highest impact thing to do with their, with their spare time. Yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like we need to distinguish a couple of different questions here. So like, yeah. there's the question of whether we, uh, as like people who are at 80,000 hours or mm. even just like people who are in the EA community and talking to other people, um, whether we should be encouraging people to be, uh, like, thinking in every single one of their actions about whether you know, whether what they're doing is the most high impact thing ever. Um, there's that question, which is different, I think, than yeah. the question of whether people should be thinking that way, right? Because you could think like, you could answer yes to the second question yeah. and no to the first. And I think it seems like at least somewhat clear that we shouldn't be telling people like, mm-hmm. you should do this like super austere thing or you should like not buy the, that house or whatever, because I agree, it'd be like, just very counterproductive, would turn people off and so on and so forth. But there's just like a separate moral question about yeah. whether it's uh, morally permissible, basically, to like have luxuries in your life. And I feel like that's the harder question. Yeah. Well, there's kind of the, yeah, the fundamental like philosophical thing. And then we have all these practical issues. And I've got like, yeah. two practical cases. One will be like, let's say that philosophically, uh, like true, true morality is super demanding. And in fact, like in principle, you should be doing, uh, you should be go- going all out and yeah. uh, like spending all your time uh, trying to have a big impact and not having any leisure time. 
uh, then we'd be like, is that sustainable for you personally? And then this other question, which is like, even if that, even if you could do it, like, should you tell other people to do it? Right. So, okay. uh, which one, oh yeah, which, which yeah, one should we take these <laughs> Okay. I'm going to want to distinguish two more questions. So there's the question of whether people should be sort of living in a way that's relatively austere. Hmm. And then there's the question of whether they should like, you might think that it's okay for people to live and maybe good for people to live in a sort of more quote unquote normal way, because in fact, doing so leads them to have the most impact in the long term. So this was your point about like burnout or something. Yeah. Uh, and then you could think that it's okay or good because even if it won't lead them to have the most impact in the long term, it's like something that, you know, they have a right to do right, or something yeah. like that. And those are really different. Yeah, definitely. So on the first one, it's like, well, you can buy that house, but only if you actually think that that's what's going to mm. cause you to actually have the most impact in the long term. Yeah. So it's like, in a sense, much more restrictive. Uh, yeah. Although I suppose you might think, uh, you might take this further step of saying it's bad to be the kind of person who thinks about all uh, actions mm. that you take in this way. Like so in fact, you should just, so tiring or like a bad way, bad yeah. use of attention. So in fact, you should restrain yourself from like thinking about things in these terms too frequently. Mm, yeah. Uh, which like probably is also true. I mean, at least for small decisions, maybe not buying a house, but uh, you want to be like every time you get a coffee I think like is this the best thing to do yeah. I saw a, I saw a post on the effective altruism subreddit which was asking like is coffee an effective altruist thing to drink and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> no way too mainstream drink, way yeah. too mainstream <laughs> <laughs> just like drink coffee if you want if you find it helps you don't if you don't and, and, I mean this is this was everyone else's view as well this is like yeah. a bad way of thinking about things we don't have to evaluate everything in life in yeah. terms of like it's effective altruist mm -hmm. impact mm -hmm. that's like it's a very uh, it's, that's a path to a bad life I think yeah that seems right okay so like it definitely seems like you could overdo it, um, where like, even if you're sort of thinking in the most strict consequentialist ways, you should think about yourself as like, yeah, take like a, take this like sort of somewhat external view of yourself and be like, mm. look, I have like limited time and energy. Mm. I need basically heuristics to get through life. And yeah. like, I'm not going to like think about every single decision about like, I'm not going to try to figure out its expected value. I mean, we can't do that for the like big stakes yeah. <laughs> decisions or like we try, but it's like hard and we can't do it for all the little things. Yeah. Do you agree with the idea that like, it's fine not to think about these things, but only because in fact, it's the most high impact way to live? Um, well, let's see. Okay. So I am perfectly happy to concede that like morality might be massively demanding in principle mm -hmm. and that like, the, yeah, the ultimate thing to do if you were like a being that didn't face these, face these constraints, if you were just like a computer that could go around like taking any actions yeah. would be just to like ignore your own interests or ignore like, yeah, your uh, prudential interests in favor mm -hmm. of helping others. Uh, I guess I'm not sure philosophically like where you come down on that. I guess I both think people should, uh, they should try to like have a career that has a big impact. They should try not to engage in, I guess, like ideally probably like lots of luxury spending. They should give away money that they don't really need, that they don't think is making them much happier. Um, and then probably beyond that, I wouldn't recommend they like make that, make that many other changes. Mm. Cause I think the return, like the incremental return in terms of the impact they have is pretty small. Uh, and then like the, the probability of them like losing interest cause they find it too overwhelming, uh, like a swamp sit. I guess if you're like, if you really think that you're an exception to this and you're someone who can like go all the way for like decades, um, maybe, maybe we're in a different situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's also, uh, extra the case that I should say this. Right. <laughs> uh, so you can't I mean, trust yeah. anything that we're saying. No, right. Story. Yeah. It's, um. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I think it's like, it's, it's like both correct and probably also a good position for 80,000 hours to have as an institution, mm. um, above and beyond that. Uh, yeah. but I suppose you can decide for yourself whether you think that you're an exception to, to these general principles. I mean, do, yeah, do you agree with that? Do, do, you have, do, do, do you have sympathy for kind of the philosophical positions under which people have like the, the special moral reasons for them to like care about their own interests? Um, so 
no, I think I, I think I basically agree with your view that it's like morality might just be extremely demanding. Um, and insofar as I have sympathy for the view that like people have basically like the right to take care of themselves, even at the expense of others, um, it's kind of, it, it does feel like this intuitive draw. So, so I think I could be trying much harder to like live a perfectly moral life. Mm. And when I think about why I'm not doing that, it doesn't feel like I'm thinking, well, look, if I were to do that, I would get burnt out or something. Mm. It feels like, I feel like slightly indignant or something at the like idea that I should have to like dedicate my everything to helping others. Mm. Um, I don't think that that's really, uh, that's really justified. And so like, I actually think it wouldn't be, I wouldn't really have a right to be indignant, but I do feel like there's this like little inkling in me of like, but, but, but I, I don't, I get to live like other people, blah, blah, blah. Like some like weird unfairness thing happening. Mm. Um, anyway. I I guess in a sense it is unfair in as much as like others aren't pulling their weight. And so you have to do even more. So you might be like indignant about like other people. Uh, yeah right not, not pitching like because if everybody pulled their weight or something then, then we'd the all moral be able to would become much weaker yeah right yeah, on the margin yeah i mean i guess i do feel that when people are like oh you shouldn't spend time uh like uh you shouldn't have recreation time or you shouldn't yeah. be like socializing which i guess every so often you know, i see someone like this online my reaction is kind of like <laughs> uh probably like words that i shouldn't say on, on, the, on the podcast <laughs> I, it is just like quite annoying uh yeah uh, yeah so, does so it- i guess but, but that's like more when like a specific person uh, tells you mm. to like do stuff rather than uh like just the philosophical principle in the abstract rob are you saying that when other people talk you don't just hear abstract philosophical <laughs> positions you just like you get sometimes caught up in the personal aspect that's of things? right yeah it's, well it's all just like a social status moving game isn't it so, <laughs> so i figure they're just trying to like bring me down I see. I see. okay actually maybe maybe the main thing is when i like post things that are on social media that are like just for fun and don't yeah. have anything to do with effective altruism every so often you get some comment that's like shouldn't you be doing work shouldn't you be like posting about something important and oh, interesting. <laughs> i think my my first instinct is to block them, frankly. <laughs> I see. And so does that, yeah, does it feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. Does it feel personal or does it feel more like you're like, look, I have my life to live, right. like blah, 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 that, this kind of thing, which I think is where this feeling that morality can't be that demanding comes from. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense that we would be designed to like have this view because um, mm. it's like much better for us. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> it's like much better for our genes, like much yeah. better for us as individuals. So in as much as you have any kind of selfishness, then uh like it's going to express itself this way but I, I just don't think that it's very like reliable as to like philosophy but then yes there's this other point which is not my point mm. but um so some people think that the fact that consequentialism is super demanding um in that it like basically says always do the thing that you know maximizes the good uh and if you don't do that you've acted wrongly or that's mm. like you know the traditional way of understanding it yeah um people think well that's just like really demanding because then you have to do the the it's like one thing all the time. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're acting wrongly. And that seems crazy uh, to, to lots of people. So this seems like a not very strong objection to consequentialism on its face because it's sort of like, well, there's lots of reasons. But one um, is that there's a way in which these other theories are also demanding. Um, so they're just like demanding on different people. So maybe consequentialism is demanding on us, like comparatively rich people um, who, you know, have the luxury of like having like various resources to give away, mm. but common sense morality is very demanding on like people who are very poor and very and destitute because it sort of asks them to 
accept that it's morally fine for us to keep like money for ourselves or whatever and like spend it on ourselves um or that we have permission to do that and that they don't get to like say like that's not you know that's not fair that's not moral yeah um and that's a way in which it's demanding just like on different parties yeah definitely i mean i I hadn't seen things framed this way uh, but i think it's a it's a it's a very good point yeah um it's, so I guess so you can imagine mm-hmm. like someone who's super rich, like walking past someone who's incredibly poor. And I suppose like to make it even sharper, someone say who was like born with like whatever personal issues that make them incapable of earning money. Say. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they maybe just like aren't capable of doing any any jobs that would earn them any money. So they're like destitute. They're like living on the streets. And uh, then they're like, please, like, if, oh, I think they could say like, I think that you're required to like help or like someone is required to like to, to support me so I don't have a terrible life. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh. This is so onerous on me to, to, to like have to provide to provide charity, right. and then say like, isn't it onerous on me to like have to respect your property rights while right. you while you were born with all of these privileges, and I'm just meant to like take it and like have a terrible life? Uh, I mean, it is like incredibly onerous on them. Why should they like respect uh, just like these initial conditions that yeah. were created? Uh, the fact that you were maybe born with like lots of marketable skills and could could live a great life. Uh, maybe they should just like not not care <laughs> and just like take your stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. No, it's a. Uh... I think it is a good point. I I think I read it in this like paper by David Sobel, or maybe it may have been this uh, other philosopher, uh, Shelley Kagan's point. I'm not sure mm. who it originated with, but um, just to give credit where credit is due, yeah. or <laughs> partial or credit where credit is known, I yeah. suppose. Um, <laughs> Um, no ideas are original. I'm sure this has a seed in <laughs> some like, thousands of years. You know? ago. Yeah, it's, like, it's always you know. It's all footnotes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, their point was that it's like. In some sense, the idea that like it's demanding, it's too demanding for morality to tell people to do stuff, but it's not too demanding to tell people to, for morality to tell people to just accept stuff is sort of like another version of the um, doing allowing distinction, which mm. is like sort of core to or denying it is core to consequentialism. So it's yeah. like in a very important sense, begs the question against consequentialism. It sort of says like you're drawing this distinction between like what you have to do and what you are have to allow and mm. like. You know, that's something consequentialists will just say is like no, not a valid distinction morally. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay, so maybe demanding, the fact that it's really demanding uh, isn't a very good objection to consequentialism or any like theory that you, like moral theory that you have that basically puts really strong demands on you. Hmm. But where does this leave us with the I, with with how we should like feel about ourselves? So a lot of people feel like, well, if morality is really demanding, then I should feel really horrible about myself because all the time I am doing these things that are less than optimal and that's wrong and so I'm constantly acting wrongly and also everyone around me is I mean at least like very often acting wrongly too so I should think very badly of them and you know it's just like a it seems like emotionally kind of like a a terrible place to end up yeah so I don't know is that uh how good is that inference, do you think? I mean, I have my doubts about it, obviously, the way I put it. But <laughs> Yeah. So I guess it's the idea that, uh, like, this moral, like, uh, like, different moral theory should imply that you should feel a particular way, like, feel guilty or feel angry or feel, like, in love or whatever else. I guess listeners will not be surprised that I, like, do not go along with this. So <laughs> I think the only, like, reasons that we have to uh, have, I'm like... I'm surprised. Oh, really? Okay, hold on. Let me, maybe I should explain what I, what I <laughs> okay, mean first. Okay, okay. okay, so it's kind of the, the only reason that you have to to feel guilty is if it will like be beneficial for the world for you to feel guilty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, that is what I thought you would. Right. Yeah. So, uh, if it's going to like be cause you to do more good to feel guilty, then you should, uh, or if that's like the best feeling that you can, like if that feeling will produce the best consequences mm. of all of the different feelings that you could have mm-hmm. now, 
I think it's relatively rare that feeling guilty is like that useful. I, I, I used to think otherwise, but just from like personal experience, like people who feel guilty all the time seem to, uh, well, they just like burn out at like much higher rates. And I think they accomplish less because they're like constantly, they're like looking inside too, too often, like reflecting mm. on themselves rather than like looking outwards and like feeling, and also just like they lack energy because it's like, it's tiring to feel guilty. It's tiring to yeah. feel angry. It's tiring Especially to feel when you have negative. so little hope of like ever being free of the guilt because yeah, right. like you know that it's just, just going to be impossible for you to, well, actually, maybe that's not true. Maybe it would mm. be possible to live a perfectly moral life if the yeah. thing you're supposed to do is always the best option available to you. Yeah. I don't know. So it seems more plausible that uh, consequentialism would say that you should be like happy and excited and energetic and all these things. Yeah. Uh, that's like, that would be like the ideal disposition to have. But then that also kind of highlights the pointlessness of this because it's like lots of people want to be happy. Um, but knowing that you kind of should feel happy and you should feel excited to do your job, how does that much of that really help you? Because there's like only so much that you can shift your uh, like feelings based on kind of arguments like this. Mm-hmm. It's like usually based on kind of personality much more or, or circumstance. Uh, right? People kind of aren't reasoned, I think, into feeling these feelings most of the time. Mm. Um, but, but anyway, it, yeah, if you think that like ethics uh, requires you to feel guilty that just seems like so improbable because uh, except, except in like relatively rare situations, feeling guilty does not cause you to do the most good, yeah. in, at least in my experience. It seems like even more, I mean, so I think I might have a slightly different take on this, mm-hmm. but uh, just to support this for a second, uh, it seems like especially the case that um, thinking really badly of everyone else mm-hmm. is bad for your productivity yeah. and like making the world a better place. You know, imagine if you just thought everyone else was a huge jerk and like never trusted them and thought very badly of them like would you get ever get anything done you wouldn't want to work with other people maybe or like you would only do it begrudgingly and then like nobody would like you because you'd be judging them all the time and it just seems like a really bad uh sort of (laughs) (laughs) way yeah so some people kind of do have that view intellectually Mm. uh people who i know they'll be like oh yeah like everyone's really immoral or like everyone's really bad and it's like i can kind of see that perspective i think it's not tiring if you just view that as like endlessly amusing and like an entertaining like thing about people it's like you kind of like have this like joyous cynicism about the world and Mm. about other people but you mm-hmm. kind of like love them nonetheless and love love interacting with them. Okay, yeah. I guess uh, like that would that would seem to me more like about your beliefs as opposed to your emotions, which is what I'm what we're like trying to talk about now, I think. Yes. So yeah. Like, I agree like uh having like negative feelings towards people when you meet them and like hang out with them is going to be pretty catastrophic for your ability to have an impact because almost all jobs involve collaborating with other right. people and just if you like enjoy hanging out with them that's such a such a huge benefit to, yeah. to, to teamwork and to like actually getting hired <laughs> yeah and like other people i mean at least in my own case i feel like i feel inspired by like the work that other people did and if i were constantly focusing all of on all of the like bad things that they did then yeah. um it w- or like less than optimal things that they did um then yeah. that inspiration would maybe be less available and that would be yeah. bad probably for me i guess every so often you see so someone say we'll uh, like take the pl- take the give what we can pledge to give away 10 percent of their income and then yeah. someone will be like why not 20 percent, you bastard <laughs> like why not 30 percent? why yeah. not more and they'll be kind of like angry indignant with them mm. i'm just like oh this is this is the worst like attitude in terms of like helping, like encouraging other people and having an impact yourself. Because you're just then constantly going to be like angry with everyone you meet effectively because yeah. they're never going to meet these impossible standards. Yeah. Uh, like how, what kind of way is that to, to live? Uh, even from a like strictly utilitarian point of view. Yeah. I mean, so actually I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the pledge because I feel like mm-hmm. this is a place where this comes up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. People say like, I can't take the giving what we can pledge because like 10% just doesn't seem like enough to fe- to meet my moral obligations. So, like, I'm not going to take it at all. Or whatever. Like, it kind of goes back to that making the perfect the enemy of the good thing. Um, yeah. Or, like, 
they don't know where what number it should be so then they feel like they can't settle on any number because there's no like <laughs> there's no like good argument that it should be one rather than the other yeah um except for maybe the most extreme number where you like bring yourself to subsistence or something uh but then they don't want to do that so then they yeah so it seems like choose. being pragmatic you'd realize that if you don't take the pledge then in fact you are deciding zero and like zero maybe is like a less plausible plausibly correct number than 10 percent. so you'd be like well that's like less good yeah uh, and so you should like figure out like what numbers could you actually plausibly decide given yeah. who you are and then like choose the one that seems like most plausibly the right one to do out of that set um yeah i i mean it's just such it's just so obviously like wrong reasoning to be like, well, ten percent wouldn't be enough, so I'm going to do zero. It's just, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure. Like, how can we have a discussion about this? I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I, okay, I agree when it's put that way. It, does, it is like obviously wrong, but I also have a strange amount of sympathy with this. So, like, people mm. who encounter the arguments mm. and then they say, so they encounter this like these arguments about uh, like these sort of singer style arguments, and they feel persuaded by them, and then at the end, it's like, so then they should give ten percent, and they think, what? Um, I, you know, that's missold like you've philosophy. Been, well, they think like, I thought I was supposed to be following my reason here. And now I'm just going to like sort of give up and be like, well, I'm just going to pick a number out of a hat or I'm just going to mm. take, use the number that other people are, are doing. Um, yeah. And, and so w would they be more satisfied if the pledge was like at least 10%? Cause then it's like, they haven't cut out the right, the, the optimal answer. Yeah, maybe, They've merely <laughs> like shrunk the set to like exclude isn't things that, that are obviously what bad. it is? I mean, is it, it is, is obviously. Yeah. If you give 20%, they're not going to like view, kick, you out of the club. kick you out of the club. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, maybe if it was like emphasized more that it was at least 20 or sorry, at least 10%, maybe. But well, isn't it, isn't it true that if you give 20%, then you have also given 10%? Uh, maybe, I guess it depends on how you interpret the I, language. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah. but we're in the realm of communication this year, yeah. not the... Um... <laughs> Strict, yeah, interpretation. So... Okay, but... Yeah, no, I, I, I guess like I, I guess I can time. understand how it's, like, dissatisfying if you're encountering this for the first time, and then someone's making these arguments that seem to be leading to a very extreme conclusion, and then they're just like, well, maybe you should, like, give $2 to, like, this club, it's... Uh, um, yeah. would seem peculiar and I feel like you know yeah people feel sort of paralyzed when they feel like well I don't know what the right thing to do is I mean in some ways this is why the whole the the 10% thing was a good idea it's because mm. people feel paralyzed right. in the in the light of these arguments and then you say oh here's a thing you can do and like it's sort of like they sort of latch onto it and yeah. get over the paralysis yeah but like one might somewhat reasonably think like I can't accept that because like I still haven't figured out What's the optimal amount for me to do? Sorry, I shouldn't have said somewhat reasonably because I don't really think it's reasonable, but I, yeah, I feel sympathy with it. I mean, yeah, it does just seem like it's a step forward in as much as you start like eliminating like worse and worse options such yeah. that like you're getting like the, the, the set of choices that you're like allowing yourself to make in future is getting closer mm. to, to the ones that you endorse. Yeah. Um, maybe people should view it that way. It's yeah. like an incremental thing where you're going to like cut out more and more of the space yeah. uh, over time. Yeah. I mean, like thinking in terms of better and worse yeah. and thinking in terms of incrementally getting toward the like good thing. I mean, it isn't like consequentialism is almost always like scalar. Is that, is that the term for yeah, this? Where yeah. it's like it, it says th things are better and worse. Not that like there's one thing that's good and everything else is equally bad. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's sometimes sort of thought of that way because, yeah. but I think that's usually like trying to like squish it into the model of other moral theories that say mm. something is either right or wrong and there aren't really like degrees. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, it's, it's like pretty baked into the thing that there's degrees because the whole thing is about like quantifying things on some cardinal scale. Yes. Although some, at least some people who are consequentialists, I think the traditional form of consequentialism does say, even though there are degrees from like worst 
to best, yeah. only the best is morally is the, permissible. Right, yeah. And so yeah. that has this like special status that isn't scalar. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so maybe that's what people are connecting to. Yeah, they're like, like if well, I can't this do says that only one thing is permissible, everything else is forbidden, and then they kind of maybe forget that there's also like gradations within that. Yeah, um, or it's like if I'm going to do something. I mean, it's more of the like if I'm going to do something forbidden, like why this forbidden <laughs> thing over that forbidden thing? Um, yeah, and then they just like go about murdering and stealing. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Luckily. I, I think that I hope that like presenting people with a 10% idea doesn't yeah. usually lead to like murdering and stealing. That yeah. would be quite an interesting story. <laughs> Talk about unintended consequences. Yeah. <laughs> no, we always have to watch out for those. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, it's, it's, sounds like a character out of Watchmen or something like that. It's like taken moral philosophy like way too far. You haven't seen uh, Watchmen? No, I haven't seen oh, Watchmen. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. We'll have to watch that together sometime. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. Wait, I want to return just uh, at least briefly to this question about feelings. So I guess I do have a very strong intuition that there's at least one area that is sort of cordoned off from consequentialist reasons. And it's uh, like what philosophers refer to as epistemic normativity. So Mm. it's like uh, reasons to believe stuff. So basically, like you have reason to believe the outcome of an argument, even if it's not... um, the utility maximizing thing for you to believe or you have reason to have reason to believe uh, that rob is sitting right in front of me and that's like totally independent of whether it's utility maximizing for me to believe that Um, it's like i have reason because my perception sort of presents me with this evidence and like evidence should lead you to the stuff that it's evidence for and that's like a sort of separate normative domain now i don't know if i like really believe it's separate but it's at least like it it does it's very natural for me to think about these like two different kinds of reasons and emotions feel much more, or sorry, our reasons to have emotions feel sort of similar to our reasons to believe things. Like, mm. well, you have reason to be angry at, uh, in you know, like police brutality or something, even if it's just going to make you miserable uh, because it's an injustice. And injustice gives reasons for feeling anger. And it's like not, it's not like you don't have those reasons if they aren't utility or if the thing is not utility maximizing so then i guess i think it really could give you reason to feel bad about yourself and others if like it turns out that we're all doing various wicked things all the time and it's or or we're you know yeah we're like culpable for it even if it wouldn't be utility maximizing yeah so i'm like not that up on the arguments about epistemic normativity um but i guess when i've encountered it it does seem like it's hard to get off the ground or i haven't heard a good basis for it that doesn't then like cash out in morality somehow so i am more inclined to say well if there is no ethics in fact if like nihilism is true then like epistemic normativity just disappears as well like in fact all these other domains of like apparent normativity are just gone because it's like so yeah just to to explain this question is like let's say that you like see something should you believe that it's there yeah uh like where does that should come from yeah Uh, in what sense like should you believe anything rather than anything else um, and especially if you don't believe that there's like any moral requirements about anything, let's say that you just like don't believe in ethics, don't believe in morality, yeah. then like, is there still any sense in which you should, should believe something? Like, where is this coming from? So you think there's uh, like one should, one should, it's the moral should, and that's it. It's a very simple model. I mean, it seems like plausible, right? Because I, I think, I think the thing is like, yeah. what we want to say Maybe. is then like, epistem- <laughs> <laughs> I think we want to say like epistemic normativity is like some other thing where what we're actually are saying is that your beliefs would correspond with uh, like reality or it's like you'd have some like yeah. theory of truths and in fact and like always all, all we're claiming is that like the patterns in your brain would correspond with something in the world more yeah. if you believe this thing where that's like a thing. value neutral yeah. statement but maybe you can't get like a shirt out of that we're just 
we're, we're like you, we're equivocating between two different kinds of should maybe yeah or we're saying like let's say that you did want correspondence then like given that goal mm-hmm. then you should do this next thing let's let's bring it back to the Sorry, emotions yes. though because i feel like epistemic normativity being independent seems more plausible to me than the, the idea that like you should have correct the correct like emotional reactions so to things like, like even if it doesn't help at all so so i don't have the so yeah. let's say that there's some injustice perpetrated like on another planet that i can not causally affect and i yeah. learn about this yeah i don't have the intuition that i should feel angry or injustice or like so, yeah I, I shouldn't feel angry about it because there's nothing i can do it's just making the world worse uh, it in fact is going to distract me from other things that i should do so so then you notice isn't it hmm, isn't it this funny thing that it seems like you should feel angrier <laughs> the more you can help to solve the situation. <laughs> exactly like what like a more consequentialist approach to this would suggest. So, okay. and, and then it, sure you do end up with like some differences between like our intuitions about how you should feel and like exactly what consequentialism would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the fact like, that like the broad, pat, the broad strokes pattern seems to fit says to me that like, in fact, that, that is like the underlying motivation. That's the underlying motivation for these beliefs. And then it's like, there's just some errors there that are, that are left where like we didn't quite resolve, okay. like get it all to fit. I'm not completely in- unsympathetic with what you're saying, but I guess it's it's hard for me to shake the intuition that it would be, at least it would be like morally, okay. sorry, it would so, be morally okay. bad to feel joy at others' okay. suffering. Okay, but we can explain this a different way again. Because okay. so, you would be like a bad character and then yeah. in other so circumstances it would yeah. be harmful. So it's like... You it, always have a story. Because yeah. <laughs> it's correct. <laughs> so, um, it's funny how the correct theories always have a story yeah. for everything. But what is that about? No. It's very suspicious, isn't it? <laughs> always got an answer to all these objections. <laughs> it's just what someone who was wrong would say. Um, yeah, okay. So then if imagine that someone was being tortured and someone was like just enjoying watching this enormously. Yeah. Can we, we can obviously explain why it is that we find that disturbing and don't want people to have that reaction because it will cause them to go and cause harm, right? Or we like, we perceive them then as dangerous. So, and then what if you imagine that someone who like felt joy seeing pain, but like absolutely you'd somehow know would never cause pain. It's like they're somehow like, their code prevents them from ever doing something bad. Yeah. Or in fact, like maybe they're just like a, a being that never takes actions. They're like not capable of acting in the world. They just like enjoy perceiving bad yeah. outcomes. Yeah. Then, then again, I kind of don't, I lose then the intuition that it's like bad. You're just like, well, it's just like this thing that experiences pleasure that does nothing. Mm. Um, like who cares really? So then like it all kind of seems to <laughs> cash out into like what, the, at least for me, what things are going to. Yeah. So do you, just, do you also like not even believe in, like rationality as having its own normativity. So like, you think it's like completely, there's no sense in which you like say, shouldn't believe in an all powerful being because you don't have evidence of it. Uh, it's like, let's say it would make you happy and it wouldn't imp- it make your, you any less productive. By the way, I think that's completely plausibly Plausible. true of sure. myself and probably lots of people. Yeah. Um, it feels like there is reason not to believe in what you don't have evidence for. and. Although there is some reason to uh, believe in the all-powerful being because it would make you happy, so on and so forth, it's not the kind of reason I can act on, at least. I can't, like, cause myself to believe in the... So, I see. And I feel like a similar thing is sort of true for emotions. So, like, if I believe that someone is very evil, then even if it's the case that it's, like, I have some reason to, like, like them anyway or, like, uh, feel warm and fuzzy toward them anyway, um, I'm not going to be able to act on that reason or, or uh, feel on that reason uh, because my emotions are not sensitive to those kinds of reasons. They're sensitive to the reasons that are of this like other form that's more like reasons to believe. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is like just a very practical point, but I think you can potentially like change how you feel about yeah. people or actions mm. just by like focusing on just different aspects on the, of them. So you like think, well, I'm not going to reflect on like their evil characteristics. I'm going to like instead draw, pull my attention towards yeah. their good, they're a good cook. And so <laughs> like that aspect of them. So like, but yeah, by like okay. controlling your attention or, or like, you know, meditating or like trying to like get over yeah. something that made you angry mm. by like reframing it. Mm. Uh, so we do have like some ability to like consciously change how we feel. That's kind of what. Uh, CBT is all about. Yeah. Okay. But setting that aside, I, I guess maybe more what's going on here is that you have like other commitments in your mind that are like, I th- think that I like should have a negative reaction to people who are evil. Uh, and maybe that's like now being like separated from like whatever originally motivated it. And now it's just kind of, just kind of this freestanding principle. And then you're like, given that principle that I have about my behavior, then I should like act consistently with that. And that's the should that I would be violating if I like liked this person who was evil. I mean, I guess I'm thinking you can have... You can have the should for uh, like disliking somebody who's evil, even without having committed yeah. to that freestanding principle. Um, so, like mm-hmm. obviously, if it's like the case that you should dislike people who are evil, then it falls from that that you should dislike somebody yeah. if they're evil. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking like you don't need that first principle. Mm. I mean, I mean, no, I don't Maybe. know. I, I guess I'm, I feel like I'm representing a view that I'm not like that sold on. I'm not really sold on it, but yeah. it's like it's it's just difficult for me to accept that there aren't at least some other reasons of this kind that say like it's appropriate to be mad at an injustice where that's like not cash outable in terms of the yeah i mean it's very understandable no. i'm not sure that it will very say evolutionarily that it's like, advantageous right. one might <laughs> even say i'm not sure that i would say that it's uh yeah do i think it's right actually okay so i think i mean to be honest i find mm-hmm. like anger so disturbing that i'm like disinclined to say that it's right even in cases like that I see. Okay, even though i'm like that. very i can be very sympathetic Okay. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, so so take the other Indignant. form. You, you, just liking somebody who's mm. who's great, but it would happen happens in this case that it would be like uh, utility maximizing to dislike them mm. or to hate them because of, I don't know, whatever, make us some story. Mm. Um, it still seems like I have reason to, to like them or admire them if they are whatever, a good person, have done good things, so on and so forth. I mean, maybe you have like, a good reason to, in general, follow the rule of liking people oh. who have these characteristics in general. So uh-huh. you can, like, do some kind of rule versus, like, act uh, yeah. distinction. Mm. And maybe that's, like, what's making it seem more intuitive. The, like, choosing every single time whether to, like, like or not, like, someone who has, like, virtuous characteristics is maybe, like, too much work and uh, impractical. I mean, I think also I, I find this analogy between, like, epistemic normativity and this kind of emotional normativity uh, not super compelling. Or it seems, like, way yeah. more likely for okay. the former to go past through. So, okay. So the one thing is like, you should like follow these rules of logic or you should like, yeah. or, you, or you like should follow the axioms of math or you, you should like try to have beliefs that correspond to the real world. That feels like far less human and like far more abstract and like something that you could plausibly apply to like machines elsewhere in the universe. Mm. This whole thing about like, you should feel jealousy in this case. You should feel angry. You should feel like love. You should feel like you want to go vote or something. <laughs> this all just feels like horribly, horribly parochially like human. Mm. And so it's like hard to believe that it could be like a fundamental principle that, yeah, you should feel envy in this situation. Isn't this just like so obviously like something to do with our like very specific human circumstance yeah, and but, how we evolved and But shoulds not- are always in specific circumstances. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm moved by the general idea that, like, where do these shoulds come from? But I'm not moved by the idea that, like, just because it's very human means that it yeah, would be it, weird it just if seems it like, was a... Wouldn't it be just as likely that we would have some should to, like, have some feeling that humans are incapable of feeling? Some, like, other thing that, like, well, we never evolved to have? And Okay, but, like, you can have, a, you can have like, a constraint where, like... It's never the case that you should do X if you can't do can't X. Can't do it, yeah. And, like, but, like, you can feel these emotions because you are a human. Yeah, so we're gonna like. I mean, we already have that, that, right? It's not the case. Like, 
Or, although, although we're already like, in a sense, well, we have to loosen some constraints to ever talk about these shoulds because it's like you can only ever do one thing, the thing that like this universe is either going to deterministically spill out or like randomly spit out. So we have to like loosen some constraints on like what can plausibly happen and then say within this realm, this is the thing that you should do. Whatever the thing is that picks out the idea of something being possible, the like mm. common sense idea, yeah. that constrains what we should and shouldn't do. Or like, okay. or sorry, it's not the case that we should do something that is impossible in that sense, in the common sense way. Yeah. Well, how do we end up on this? I've totally I lost know. the thread. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's a sign that we should move on. We've, okay. uh, we've covered this one. Anyway, bottom line listeners is that you should feel whatever feelings will make you do the most good. I think we've settled that decisively. I would. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. a coherent view. I'll okay. admit that it's a coherent view. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that brief conversation. Uh, you can send through your feedback to podcast at 80,000hours.org. Uh, we really do listen and talk about each of your emails. And a reminder about that link to the Effective Altruism Global X workshop, uh, which you'll find in the show notes. The 80,000 Hours podcast is produced by Kieran Harris. Thanks for joining. Talk to you in a week or two.